0: Meetings call to order. Your Excellency, here's the Treasury Department's report. I hope you'll find it clear.
1: Clear? <laughs> Why, a four-year-old child could understand this report. Run out and find me a four-year-old child. I can't make a head or tail out of it. Hello, members of the Cabinet. We'll take up all business.
2: Broadcasting from Brisbane, Australia,
1: this is the FOMO Show.
2: Cryptocurrency for the rest of us. I'm Matt, and I'm Joe, and this is a podcast where you'll hear about cryptocurrency in plain English. We'll help you stay across the crypto world so you don't get the fear of missing out. This is like episode 10. Uh, 10 is a good number. 10. 10 is a good number. So what are we talking about today, mate?
1: Oh, so we're going to be covering uh, a little bit of news first, um, uh, followed by, uh, we're going to have a little section on gaming cryptocurrencies, which is pretty exciting stuff, and um, You're going to be talking about smart contracts a little later and uh, we'll be covering Kim.com's Mega and Bitcash. Just a quick overview. But um, yeah, let's get into it.
2: Is this investment advice, Joe?
1: Uh, No, no, it's not. This is not investment advice.
2: Full disclosure, we're personally invested in different cryptocurrencies, some of which we talk about on this show. If we talk about a project, it doesn't mean you should buy it. So do your research. Never invest more than you can afford to lose. And please avoid the fear of missing out.
1: If you've never bought crypto before, why not check out our guide at FOMO.show slash 101.
2: If you're new to to the crypto space in general, you can check out our Blockchain Basics series. And it starts from episode two and continues until episode eight. It'll give you some grounding in the fundamentals and help you understand what on earth we're talking about. Mm.
1: If you're here, you're one of the first movers in cryptocurrency. Which is exciting,
2: and it's easy to get that feeling that you're late to the party, you mm, know. And we've mm. had people say it to us, like, "Oh, I'm so so late." Like the market's shifting, and it seems like the moment you get in, and we know that feeling. That's why we mm. called the show the FOMO show, you know, because <laughs> we got the fear of missing out when we first came in. Yeah. All right, yeah. Now for something completely different,
1: mate. So, what's <laughs> been going on this week in the news?
2: So thanks to JC for sharing this with us in our Slack channel. Essentially, Mark Zuckerberg, the Facebook founder, says he's looking into cryptocurrency in 2018 as his personal goal. So every year, Mark Zuckerberg sets himself a personal goal and he publicizes it widely to everyone or his publishing team publicizes it widely to everyone. And this year, he set the goal of looking into cryptocurrency.
1: From his post, uh, Mark said, look, there are some important counter-trends like uh, encryption and cryptocurrency that take power from centralized systems and put it back into people's hands. But they come with the the risk of being harder to control. I'm interested in going deeper um, and studying the positive and negative aspects of these technologies and how best to use them in our services. So what does that sound like to you? Does that sound like Facebook just wants to have its own coin because it is its own country at the moment?
2: Yeah, mate, it basically sounds like Facebook can see this revolution. Yeah, you know, I can see all this stuff happening in crypto and I think he realizes that this is something that's that's taking off and it's something that could actually give people the freedom to engage in social media without you know the the big brother of Facebook watching them and he's seen the potential to get Facebook in there and say hey we're on the blockchain but which kind of absolves all the problems you've ever had really. yeah. <laughs> and, and still being able to do exactly the same thing hmm. that's what I think that's a cynic in me
3: no that's
1: fair that's fair enough but it's exciting you know I think it's I think it's pretty awesome that yeah. You know if, if something like Facebook if companies like we said this before we'll say again if companies like Apple, Google you know Facebook if they jump on this cryptocurrency thing they all take payments on their platforms they all have like millions of people are using those Yeah. if they start jumping on them that is exciting
2: yeah, it's adoption. So, mate, uh, there was a big uh, fuss around a ledger wallet that had been sold to someone secondhand. Oh, that was a great story. <laughs> someone said he'd lost £25,000 buying this secondhand ledger wallet. Now, for those of you guys that don't know, a ledger wallet is essentially a little piece of hardware that you can plug into your computer and you can store your private keys on that wallet and encrypt it uh, and you know, put your own password on that and then just take it out of your computer and put it somewhere else just store it away
1: so this dude he bought what he thought was a brand new ledger off eBay yeah from apparently it was a reputable seller according to his post on Reddit Mm. and what was it he purchased 7,000 pound worth of coins and then four weeks later the coins had jumped in value to 25,000 pounds and then next thing you know all his coins disappeared from his wallet yeah And he was predictably pretty upset.
2: Yeah, and so it came out that they'd had a fake scratch card. This guy had developed a fake scratch card with a recovery seed included by the seller, which was... So that's
1: like the 12 words that you put in to sort of... Or something like that to unlock your thing from anywhere?
2: Exactly. Yeah, so it means that it's essentially your key to the, the funds on the blockchain. Right. So he'd made it sound like this scratch card was... Uh, the, the, the what you uh, unscratched from the scratch card was like a secret thing. So this guy unscratched it. He used it. He didn't change it. And then the uh, eBay seller, of course, on the blockchain, you can see how much funds are in any public address. So the eBay seller obviously knew the public address and he must have checked it and said, wow, like there's 25K worth in there now. So moral of the story is if you buy a ledger, change your private key straight away mm-hmm. and don't buy it off eBay.
1: Another thing is uh, Greek universities um, are set to verify degree ownership um, using the Cardano Enterprise Ouroboros blockchain.
2: Yes, this is a really interesting one because it's, it's a genuine use for a smart contract right now. So they, these Greek universities are developing a smart contract to essentially verify and prove university degree ownership. So it's built by a company called IOHK, which is a blockchain research company that have worked on Cardano and Ethereum Classic. And in light of this, Cardano, which is like a new smart contract platform, kind of a competitor to Ethereum, the price exploded Mm -hmm. like pretty much overnight. And it gave us a real good look at just how much this market can still be affected by news, You know, Mm -hmm. any news, Mm -hmm. like it doesn't matter what it is. (laughs) So it kind of got me wondering like, what else, what other news could we have to explode the market you know what if what if Dogecoin came out tomorrow with the news that you know uh, a pet store in outback Australia is going to start using Doge as a payment method right we're gonna see massive gains could we pump it from two billion to three billion just with <laughs> that oh mate it is pretty exciting and being able to
1: verify that somebody owns a degree via the internet that's really helpful because I mean When I moved here, I needed to, you know, show some degree certificate, which I never ended up showing. But Mm. it was sort of... I emailed my uni. I was like, look, can you just send me some kind of, like, proof or anything like that? And they're like, oh, you've got to pay us. I'm like, nah, I don't want to pay to prove that I've got a degree. This is ridiculous.
2: And then there's, like, two different... Well, I found anyway with my university, there are two different types of academic transcripts. There's, like, a copy of an academic transcript and then there's like a certified academic transcript and one's just like a printout that they can send you in pdf the other one has like a shiny a shiny seal on it you know which is it's exactly the same thing (laughs) but it's just that they've they they get to charge more for the second and a lot of employers demand the second because i don't know it's just must be a big cartel Mm -hmm. or something but this is a way to essentially cut those fees out and have Something that you can verify on the blockchain. If you finish a degree, it will always be there on the blockchain, and you can check it any time.
1: Hmm. Awesome. All right. So speaking of speaking of um, putting together bits of, like putting out news articles and then seeing things explode, <laughs> Kodak share price or more than doubled in the last few days. Why? Mm. Who
2: is Kodak again? Oh,
1: it's. I think it's a pitbull song
2: from a few years ago, wasn't it? Are they like, or are they into spas or? Mate, I something irrelevant. It is kind of really humorous, isn't it? Like you've got this irrelevant. I didn't even know they were still solvent. I just assumed they'd folded it up. <laughs> it's true, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, when have you last used a Kodak product? They're
1: like a cockroach, aren't they? Yeah, they, they just they, can't kill them. They
2: must have just kept going, like and said to their shareholders. We'll just wait for the next big thing and then we'll get on that. Mm. And so it looks like they've worked out that ICOs are all the rage and their shareholders have said, well, if we can milk some money from this thing, then we might as well. And they've brought out their own Cryptocurrency. Mate,
1: fair play to them. They're cowboys. They don't care. They're just like... <laughs> it
2: is completely irrelevant. So what have they actually said about this one, though? What's their justification for well, it? Well,
1: according to their press release, um, they said that their new cryptocurrency, which is going to be released towards the end of January, um, is designed to empower photographers and agencies to take greater control in image rights management. So basically, you'd get paid for licensing your work out to other people. You could sell your work on a blockchain platform. And they would keep crawling the web to um, spot any misuse of your image without crediting you. And uh, they want to have some kind of mechanism in there to sort of take action against people who are using your work without crediting you.
2: So essentially what they're doing is they're saying, sign your work over to us on our platform and you'll, you'll get a fee then for licensing it, but we'll also take a fee. And if anyone else uses that without going through Kodak,
1: mm-hmm.
2: we'll know. We'll be very
1: upset. Um, yeah, what I'd say is um, read the T's and C's when that comes out. And secondly, just don't buy it because yeah. that's
2: stupid. It just it just stinks of a scam.
1: Well, maybe Getty Images will actually finally buy Kodak and then put them out of <laughs> their misery. That would
2: be all right. Yeah. But,
1: I mean, Getty Images, they're huge. Anyway, yeah. that, is side, that is a side point for another pub. So yeah, yeah. Yep. was that, mate? Here was a big piece of news. Um, massive flaw was found in Intel, AMD, and ARM processors. Um, what well, flaw? Bugs. Yeah. Um, so they were found by a bunch of different researchers. Some from Google's Project Zero team, who are like Google's team that try and find problems, like like find new problems with operating systems, hardware, software, all of that. Yep. Um, and, yeah, so basically there are two bugs. The first is called Meltdown, and that affects almost all Intel chips, and it lets hackers bypass the hardware barrier between applications um, run by users and the computer's memory. So I could run a bit of code on a website and just take your passwords as you're typing them in real time. Right. So that's the first one called Meltdown, which is pretty pretty serious, mm. being able to actually mm. access via the web. Yeah. Accessing somebody like private parts of somebody else's computer that should be separated from yeah, and, you on the internet.
2: Yeah, and look for you guys that are concerned about this. There's already been fixes that have come out, but my sec- little security recommendation on the side is there's a program called Key Scrambler, which will actually scramble any inputs you put into your keyboard uh, and stop key logging, which which can help with That's this. Incredible. I don't know whether it's I don't know whether it would completely eliminate the risk. But it's, an extra, it's a free program. It's an extra step you can take. Whenever I'm on any browser, I can see it down the bottom essentially scrambling everything I put in to, to, to the system's eyes. So
1: I reckon it just switches your keyboard to Dvorak or something silly, <laughs> doesn't it? Um, yeah, the second bug, is, which is called Spectre, um, affects chips from Intel, AMD and ARM, and it basically lets hackers trick regular av- applications into giving up secret information. So... Yeah, it's pretty serious stuff.
2: So with all this stuff, the key is just to educate yourself on security, privacy and security. And there's a book I'd recommend to everyone that's interested in this. It's called The Complete Privacy and Security Desk Reference. We'll put a link in the show notes, but it's huge. It's a big book, but I've learned more in the last maybe six months since I bought that book and started listening to their podcast than I'd ever learned about security before. And it really opens your eyes to just how much stuff we just kind of leave out there in the open and just how vulnerable we are to a lot of this stuff. So we're going to start doing some little security pieces in future episodes. But if you want to like get across a lot of that early on, there's a complete privacy and security podcast and the desk reference as well. Really worth checking out. Mm. So we'll put the links in the show notes.
1: Awesome. Following a bit of Zuckerberg, there's another bit of news, wasn't it?
2: He was beaten out of the global rich list by um, the dude
1: who founded Ripple, didn't he?
2: Yeah, temporarily, the bloke that founded Ripple got higher on the rich list than Mark Zuckerberg. Yeesh. Which is huge. Yeah, that's billions. So Ripple's a really interesting one. They've signed up more than 100 banks, including American Express and Santander, to use their Ripple platform. And what Ripple essentially does is it is a transaction settlement layer so if you've sent an international transaction before you've had to use a thing called SWIFT which is like a way for it's like an intermediary Mm -hmm. between two currencies and they charge quite exorbitant fees and so what Ripple has said is well why don't we take that to the blockchain and we settle all that stuff on the blockchain the problem is it's a private blockchain it's set up only to 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 transfer money between these banks. And there are still a lot of questions about it that haven't really been answered. Um, And there's still a real question about what the value of the Ripple token itself actually is. Because these banks don't need to use the Ripple currency, do they? No, 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 no. They can just use the settlement layer.
1: Well... Oh no, hold on! There is one one company is using the Ripple token. It is a a Mexican money transfer business is planning to use a Ripple token. So oh, uh, okay. More are apparently on the way. So, there you uh, go. hold that skepticism. Just.
2: All right. <laughs> I will. I will hold my skepticism and I'll wait to be convinced Excellent. otherwise. So
1: look forward to the big bank coin.
2: Which you probably already own. We all love banks. Oh, I love a good bank. Don't we love banks?
1: Mate, oh, there was a great clip. So I was on YouTube, and I was um, – actually, I was on Twitter, and I found the, the guy who founded – one of the co-founders of Dogecoin, a guy called Jackson Palmer. Cool dude. Um, I think he works at Adobe or something like that. Anyway, um, he was one of the people who um, – I think he was forked Bitcoin and built um, Dogecoin, yep. so just a currency based on a dog meme, which was really cool and jokes at the time. Now, he started that as almost a protest against, like, what was there out there in the world you know just like it was just ridiculous and, you know new coins were coming up every every week yep. or every two weeks which then seemed crazy
2: he was like the equivalent of the useless ethereum token guy but back in 2014 hey yeah yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, but yeah let, uh, uh, let, let's play this let, let us hear what he has yeah. to
3: say i think it's a really interesting comment on the cryptocurrency space right now that a
1: coin with a dog on it that hasn't had any software update since 2015 it was kind of forgotten about in many ways, now has overnight a $1
3: billion market cap.
1: So, just to clarify, it passed $2 billion a few days mm. after he said that. Mm. Now, he's come back down a little bit since, so yep. I think 25% overnight or something, but yep. he makes a very good point.
2: He does. I, I Actually, while we were playing that, I mouth the words to you, is he for real? Like. <laughs> <laughs> He ha- there hasn't been any updates since 2015. Well,
1: that's what he said. And this is one of his latest YouTube clips. So it's just a couple, a few days ago, he put that up. And um,
2: yeah. I heard you refer to it as like kind of the canary in the coal mine. Oh,
1: no, that's actually what, yeah, that's what he said, actually. He yep. said that's his canary in the coal mine because, and then he went, actually, he went on to say that it's, you know, he, he's warning people about these pumps and dumps because he's saying, mm. look, when these coins are growing more than 50% in a day, yeah, it's probably a pump and dump. Yeah. You know, that's what he's warning people about is, you know, all these telegram groups mm. like where people are sort of consorting and sort of come, yeah, let's, like let's pump conspiracy, it. like yeah. the conspiracy to like pump and dump. And he's saying, look, most of these coins out there, they're growing that much. Be careful.
3: Mm.
2: So anyway, focus on the fundamentals. Don't get FOMO. Eat cheese. Eat cheese.
1: <laughs> I like cheese, actually. I do like it. Uh, I'm a fan. of there a cheese coin? Brie Camembert. Is there a cheese coin? I would definitely buy one. Mate, right. thank you to all our regular listeners who are tuning in. Welcome back. Uh, hello to our new YouTube subscribers. Thank you for joining us. Great to have you here.
2: Yeah, so if you'd like to be a part of the show, uh, why don't send us a voice recording? If it's under a minute long and in an MP3 or WAV file, we'll try our best to fit you in on the show. So whether you're sharing news, a few facts about an industry, an interesting tidbit of ob- observation, or just plain good advice in this crazy space, just send us a recording. Mm. We'll slot you in and... Uh, yeah mate I'd yeah, just get a bit more interaction happening.
1: Yeah, you can record it on your phone just uh, just make it you know, li- nice and simple like nothing too nothing too tricky will make you part of the show. Yes,
2: yeah, so you can email that to us at FOMO show at protonmail.com or you can jump on our slack and DM it to us directly.
1: Someone sent me a link to a file on mega.co.nz.
2: Which <laughs> you got so excited I about this. I
1: was so excited, man. So, mega.co.nz, if you haven't come across Mega before, is the follow-up to Mega Upload, which was created by Kim.com, who is a legit genius. Mm. I watched this documentary, Kim.com Caught in the Web, which is worth watching if you haven't seen it. Kim.com Caught in the Web was... This dude is so cool. Yeah. Before he even made Mega Upload, he was just, he was killing it. Like, yeah. he was absolutely killing it, man. And he's a legit tech genius. He finds other legit tech geniuses, and they build cool stuff. Yeah. So he built Mega Upload, one of the biggest file-sharing sites on the web, on the, uh, in the world at the time. And then the U.S. Department of Justice, slash FBI, slash whatever, decided to come down on him... In contravention of New Zealand law and international law. Anyway, enough of that. They decide to come down on him, raid his house with guns. And um, yeah, so he's doing fine either way. And he decides to rebuild from the ashes Mega. Mm. So Mega is a file storage website where you can put files on there. They're encrypted on your computer before they get to Mega. Yep. They're stored there. If you lose your password, you lose all your files. Right. And, and yeah, they're stored on Mega. Mega can't see what the files are. No one can see what the files are except you who uploaded it. And you can actually, for each file you upload, you can generate a link which contains the decryption key, which you can just send to your mates, and they can just see that file. So Mega doesn't know what it is unless you give them the key for it.
2: Right, because originally with Mega Upload, uh, nothing was encrypted. So that's how they they caught him out the US government was that he was this platform was essentially hosting pirated content Mm -hmm. content that Mm -hmm. breached you know DRM and all that kind of stuff and they alleged that mega upload should have reasonably known that there was that content on there because they could see it.
1: They also actually held against uh, held some really strange law like they they tried to say look because you host a website where other people are putting copyrighted material that makes you the website owner responsible for the copyright infringement. Now that yeah, I think it was Kim.com or someone in the documentary was saying, that's like saying to a motel owner, someone gets murdered in your motel. You are an accessory to murder yep. because you own the motel. Yeah. And when you say it, put it like that, it's ridiculous.
2: Yeah, and I actually, I watched a shorter version of the documentary you watched. Right. Um, I think Vice did it. And right. uh, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. really interesting because he, he had this little quip, and I, it still sticks with me now. He said, if they applied the same reasoning that they applied to me to ISPs, Mm. all of the ISP owners and operators will be in prison because the the traffic... Facilitating pipes? Well, the traffic is going through their internet service provider before it even gets Mm. the mega Mm. upload, you know. And that's not encrypted either.
3: Mm.
2: And that traffic is routed through their network. So it it was kind of this like double standard. It was like either you you go in for all and you go after everyone that's Mm. involved in this process or you go after no one and it's ridiculous as well because like mate you know look back on MySpace now on Facebook on Twitter on uh, Instagram there is so much material that that infringes on copyright Mm. all the time you know Mm. and these guys get to just take it down or even if it doesn't get found you know no one gets hauled off to prison Mm. it's just understood that look these platforms people are normally going to use them for legitimate means but every now and then people are also going to use them from real illegitimate means. But a different standard was applied to him. And he wasn't even in the US. That was mm. the kicker.
1: In New Zealand, guns raiding his house. Yeah. Ridiculous.
2: <laughs> yeah. So now he's got this platform called Mega, which yeah. is which essentially solves the problem. He can now say, well, I don't have a clue what's, what's being uploaded because it's all encrypted. Mm, mm,
1: mm. Only the people who upload files and mm. the people that they share the files with can see it.
2: So, so he's got this BitCash thing happening as well.
1: Yeah, so that's a project he's working on. That's one of the things that is upcoming. So BitCash, um, bit BitCash, BitCash. Kim.com explains it in a really quick clip. I'll play, it for that, play that for you now.
4: Now, the coolest
3: thing about this is the, the uploader decides the price point. So this can be a, basically a two-penny file, or it can be a $2 file, or it can be a $20 file it's up to you you create your price point
1: so what kim.com is doing is he's letting people who've uploaded files whether you've uploaded it to, you know, uh, one, one of these like peer-to-peer networks whether you've stuck it in your google drive or you've stuck it on dropbox, doesn't yep. matter where you put that file you can put it on mega yep. and then you can basically charge people to download that, download or stream that content
2: and that's on the blockchain
1: Suppose, yeah apparently so yeah, yeah. and it's going to be using uh, some kind of Bitcoin some kind of cryptocurrency related thing cool and that's on its way and if you don't follow him already follow mrkim.com on twitter because he's an absolute dude and he's a genius
2: yeah he's a kind of absolute like you wouldn't genius. bet against isn't he like he's he's everything he touches seems to turn to millions of dollars and he's um it's worth watching that documentary i joe really got into this and i took my time to actually watch the documentary he was talking about but when i did i was so glad i did because it just puts all in perspective how these guys that are really trying to make technologies to give people more freedom and more privacy are ostracized and targeted, but they keep doing it, you know?
1: Mate, you've been chatting about smart... You've been raving about smart contracts to me off the microphone for a, about a week and a half now. Yep. And... I think it's about time you sort of let loose. What's what's <laughs> going on with smart contracts? Why are they so exciting?
2: Yeah, um, I've um, I've been beginning to prepare a couple of talks because I've I've got a couple of speaking gigs on this now, and um, and if anyone wants me to speak, by the way, you know, contact the FOMO show. Hire at the FOMO <laughs> show. Um, but mate, it's just it is so cool. All through twenty seventeen, we talked about smart contracts, right? And everyone kind of got so nervous about this smart contract thing, and yeah. it, it it held off, but then. The second half of 2017, all these other projects started to come out being like, we've learned our lessons, we believe we can get the tech to a point where it's going to be there. And there's guys doing it on Ethereum, there's EOS, there's Cardano, which we've talked about and I'm sure they've all got their own pluses and minuses. But the point is, is that we're now getting to the point where this stuff is actually starting to work and we're actually having conversations, not just about in theory, what are they going to do, but... In practice, how are they going to start fitting into our society? So
1: where are some industries where this is going to start kicking in?
2: Yeah, look, so uh, real estate, I think you're going to start to see real estate uh, with property settlements starting to kick in, and that that ties in with the, uh, the, the legal industry. There's this, I think I've talked about it before in our Blockchain Basics, there's this thing called a conveyance here in Australia, which means it's a fancy word for selling your property. And so much stuff happens manually you know like Mm -hmm. people print checks out send them to each other people have to wait to get approvals in from other places and there is so much wastage and so many middlemen whereas if you can bring the whole pro project onto the the blockchain Mm -hmm. and you can have you know like tokenized houses on the blockchain and then those houses are governed by their own smart contracts Mm -hmm. and you know you enter into a agreement to sell your house with someone else and a smart contract is generated between the two parties mm-hmm. to essentially take care of a lot of these different things so the smart contract communicates with the bank and communicates with the parties and communicates with all the different little mm. stages that need to happen and essentially automates it with a whole bunch of if if this then that statements that's one industry but something a little bit simpler is the, the is commission So there's a whole bunch of industries right now that rely on commission. So you, you know, if you, now I've got to actually think of, think of an industry that does rely on commission. Uh, Let's say you're a, you're an artist, okay? And you're, you're contracted with a recording company Mm -hmm. and everyone has different views on recording companies, but right now they're still a reality and that they handle a lot of advertisement and organizing your music to be on platforms. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then you've got an agent as well who organises your gigs and you've got a a venue, you know, that that Mm -hmm. takes a certain cut of Mm -hmm. your performance fee. There's all these if you're a musician, there are all these different parties that you're that essentially take a certain percentage of Mm -hmm. your eventual take home, you know? And so you just kind of accept that if you're a musician, you're going to be paying certain percentages to different people all the time. Now, how do you know if you go to a live gig that what the venue gives you at the end of the day is actually what you should be getting? You know, if the venue says, okay, we're going to give you 50% of your booking fee, how do you know that you actually got 50% of the booking fee? Well, you don't really. I mean, you can kind of get an idea with... You know, you're looking at the ticket sales, but I mean, you may have it, also have a deal for like drink sales. You may have a, a deal for merch. Like, there's a whole bunch of other things going on. So right now, you just have to take that on trust. Mm. But with us, if you did all that on the block, the blockchain, it's completely different. So mm. let's say, for example, that you wanted to, it was all doing it on Ethereum. Okay, so the people paid in Ethereum. The transactions at the actual venue were in Ethereum. Everything that was coming in was into in Ethereum. You could create a smart contract to say on you know the 1st of January for this band, every transaction that comes in is going to come into this one Ethereum account and then at the end of the night, pay out 50% to the artist. Hmm. And you would be able to see all of those transactions on the ledger. So you'd be able to go, is there anything funny going on here? No, there's not because this smart contract's independent. It can't be controlled by the party so it would pay out 50% to the artists and pay out 50% to the venue which is huge mm, mm. you know or if you're a, a, a farmer like looking at INS a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. I've had a bit more time to think about that and it's it's actually really awesome because if you are selling your produce you can look on the you can have a smart contract that essentially handles that agent relationship for you and if everyone's paying in in crypto Mm. you can see those transactions on the blockchain and the smart contract will automatically pay that commission out to an agent automatically pay a certain percentage out to whatever parties are involved essentially you've got the ability to agree on uh, agree on terms for anything before you enter into it so you can say the big problem right now is trust we've got to trust people you've got to trust that they're doing the right thing and if they hold all the cards in anything you, you can be almost certain that you're not getting a fair deal. Mm. In the future, this stuff, this smart contract stuff is going to become so commonplace that no one is going to want to sign any kind of contract without an element of trustless smart contracts mm. built into it.
1: And most people probably won't even notice that they're using smart contracts in the future. I guess it will just happen.
2: It'll, I think it'll just happen. be accepted mm. that that's how it goes. So if, mm. you, if you say, oh, well, we're, we're going to take commission... If they say we're not going to do it on the blockchain, you're going to be like, well, hang on a second. Why wouldn't you do it on the blockchain? Because A, it cuts down on your work Mm -hmm. and B, it means that we're all entering in with eyes wide open, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So instantly you get bad signals and the guys that are going to really succeed in this new smart contract economy are the people that adopt it early Mm -hmm. and use it as like a kind of a badge of honor. Like Mm -hmm. we are open.
1: You've you've already, in a, in a sense, like you've got, I mean, Microsoft and a bunch of other companies came together to make that enterprise Ethereum alliance. Yep. So it looks like they're sort of starting to, you know, they're, they're trying to build an, infras- an infrastructure to, for people to try and do that.
2: Yeah, because, I mean, we've just talked about simple examples, but this is huge because at the moment you have really complex relationships with business to business global businesses global businesses with huge contract relationships there are whole departments that look after this contract Mm. stuff you know and there are whole legal firms that look after this contract Mm. stuff compliance if you can build in the thing about code is it's immutable so you just set the rules and the code does what the code does Mm. so if you can if in the future if you are coming up with a business to business arrangement you're not going to put it all just down on paper and just trust that people are going to do the right thing, mm. you know? I mean, you're not just going to trust that people are going to do the right thing. You're going to say, let's automate this mm. and make it trustless because that's the other side of the coin. You're going to you're gonna cut out so much fraud, cut out so much wastage, mm. and you're just going to be able to automate so many more mm. things with these smart you contracts. You'll probably
1: speed up a lot of processes because you're not waiting on things. The contract will execute mm. terms or remind people or... Or reminders for people to do their part. Yeah. Or well, trigger, trigger things like that. And,
2: yeah. and that's just... So that's just human-to-human human relationship. And I think that the next big step, and this is where I'm really starting to get really excited about, is giving non-human objects their own smart contracts to govern them. So mm. I was reading an article, and we'll put the link in the show notes, and we, we tweeted about it, I think, yesterday. It was done by Nathan Waters, uh, and he's the... The, he started the Ethereum meetup in Sydney he also is the creator of Peerism, which is a really cool blockchain co- uh, project on Ethereum so he's a bit of a visionary and I read this article by him about driverless hotel rooms okay and what he was talking about was that eventually these we're going to have these driverless cars and why stop at just cars why not have hotel rooms that can drive around as well and you can literally get picked up from the airport and just jump straight into bed you know, and it's feasible because mm. you're only really limited by how big you make the quote-unquote car, and mm. it's just going to be like a module. You know, so you know if you get picked up from the airport and you want to have a nap on your way to wherever you're going, you just say to the car, "This is where I want to go," and it takes you there, and you can have a sleep. Now, at the beginning, these cars are probably going to be governed by some form of programming, but where these things can go is that you can essentially program a smart contract for a a car to run like its own business and you just tell the car all you need to do is meet your costs and that's how we want you to price everything and you just run so this car essentially becomes its own business entirely built on smart contracts and if it's plugged into the rest of the blockchain Mm -hmm. it can work out okay I need to put aside this much for recharging my power I need to put this much aside for replacing my little tires when I need to replace my little tires. I need to put aside this much for sending a query to the furniture department somewhere to get new furniture in and have a drone deliver that and put it in my module and take the old one out. And that's essentially its costs. Pay the, t- pay the. you know, if we're talking about a completely privatized city, a completely free market city, which is an amazing thought. Um, you could, you might have to pay a little bit to go on the roads, you know, and so, you know, you just have to pay your road fee Mm. and it could operate at, you know, next to nothing and you Mm. could have a module for $10 a night or something and and that that kind of thinking, that kind of giving inanimate objects the ability Mm. to program themselves and run themselves Mm. is where I think we really need to start shifting our, Thoughts with this smart contract stuff as that well. That's huge, man. Yeah, what is the
1: guy? What's the, the name? of the dude who wrote it? Nathan, Nathan
2: Waters is his name. What a legend! Yeah, and look, if you can, if you're a business owner out there, or you're someone that's thinking of getting into business, if you can position yourself to take advantage of just one element of what the world's going to look like, because this stuff's coming and it's coming really quick. And if you can position yourself to even look at one element, yeah, and say, I'm going to position myself to be here in five years to take advantage of this. You're going to be set up, but that's the reality, you know. Because 10 years ago, we didn't have any smartphones, and then Steve Jobs got on the stage, did his iPhone. Android came out the same year. 10 years later, everyone has a has a smartphone, pretty much. That's the adoption curve you're going to see for this kind of stuff. So, Breach. automation, smart contracts, get on it. Yeah. Listen to the phone up here. Yeah. So in this week's cool tools, we're going to talk
1: about something a little bit different. Now, the last episode we talked about privacy coins. Mm. Now those I think are the future without a doubt. Like those, I'm banking on them. But either way, I was sitting there thinking, right, okay. So I'm going out there buy my cloak coin, and now I realise that I have all my money is pretty much in cryptocurrency, and I've been neglecting to top up my index funds, yeah. which and stocks. On the side, so at least I have two things growing in tandem. Yeah. Now, if you invest in any kind of stocks, if you invest in an index fund, instead of having to pick, you know, ten great stocks, with an index fund, you're getting a broad exposure. By that fund, invests mm. in a bunch of different things. Mm. In you know, funds can be for different things, countries, uh, sectors, yep. types of company. All kinds of things. And it'll
2: normally say it on the fund one, not it? it'll be yeah. like, it's a fund in this country, and it's it's centred around this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: you get MSCI, you know, Asia Growth.
2: Yeah. Things like that. That's, yeah. Those are
1: the sort of names you'll get. Now, one thing I love doing is buying index funds that track countries. Mm. Now, one of the big performers for me has been Nigeria. Mm. Like, I'm big on, like, I think Africa is without doubt the future, and we'll be talking about that in future episodes, where yeah. Africa's going with money and connectivity. Yeah. But, this etf um with etfs i want to be able to invest in africa how do i do that i don't know any african companies all that with this tool uh from etf database called their um country exposure tool you can find the link in the show notes this will let you pick a country on the map and see which funds have have shares or um you know have Exposure to that country. Mm. So that's actually how I found a fund in Nigeria and fund which had a lot of Nigerian holdings. Um, So you can, for example, pick uh, Thailand. So if you're looking at Thailand, you can just click on that and it will redirect you to a page that has all of the different ETFs for Thailand. Mm. Really good way of finding interesting index funds to invest in because if you've read a lot of those personal finance books, they'll just say, look, index funds. Outperform you trying to pick stocks yep. 99 times out of
2: 100 and you can just invest in them and spend your time elsewhere
1: and you just need to buy one thing yep. you just pay your fees to buy that one thing yeah you don't have to buy 100 different shares and pay transaction fees on all those things mm. i could have said that simpler but etfdb their um, country exposure tool will let you find countries to invest in via index funds mm.
2: And mate, just as an aside, we're going to put together a our own little index, aren't we?
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: if you've, if you've got any ideas for what we should put in our index, like if, if there's a coin that you have been like watching and you're really passionate about it, especially if it's more of a low market or it's been a bit of a niche, jump on our Slack or send us tweet at us, let us know, and we'll consider it for our our index. Yeah, so we were going to do decentralize your life on Mastodon. But I'm still waiting for their confirmation email to reach our inbox. It's now been two days, nothing, crickets. I was really keen to get in and have a look. But, yeah, haven't, still haven't received the email. So It's in the post. Yeah, any, <laughs> if the Macedon team's listening, please check your, uh, your email.
1: So, if you haven't listened to the show before, we have a regular guest called Dan Dan, the ICO man. So, he actually started out as a used car salesman before going in as an extra in Hollywood movies. So, um, interestingly, he actually saw the Bitcoin bubble coming, uh, well, he saw Bitcoin coming quite a bit of time ago and Mm. jumped on the bandwagon. And now he is, some describe him as a prophet. I certainly don't,
2: but... Some describe him as as a visionary. You know, mm. Someone that can really see a good deal like in the crypto world. F- yeah, yeah, yeah. At least he describes himself as that. Yeah.
1: So um, this is Dan. Dan, the ICM. man. Let's give him a call. Hey, Dan, are, are you there?
3: Yes, I'm here, Joe.
1: So, um, so yeah, what's new, Dan? I mean, like we've had Christmas. You had some great, great advice uh, for our for our listeners over Christmas. Um, what's what's new in store for us this year?
3: Well, boy, do I have an absolute gold mine for your listeners today, Joe. It's called Ziggurat. This is an investment opportunity like no other. It's literally free money here, Joe. I almost can't believe it.
1: What is it, Dan?
3: It's the dream, the experience, the thrill, and the passion, Joe. It'll get you by your short and curlies. First, you want to buy into the pure... I mean, Ziggurat, with a crypto of your choice. It'll take nearly anything, Joe. Then you get the pieces of the ziggurat called zigs. You buy these from the creators for the crypto, Joe. Then, and this is the most important part, you sell them back to the creators for even more money later on. So
1: they'll give you more money in a few months then?
3: That's right, Joe. You can sell it back to them for interest. They'll pay you out anywhere from four months to ten months in zigs. And what's even better, Joe? The more you buy, the more interest you get. So, if you buy $1,000, you'll get 1% a day. But, Joe, if you buy $10,000, you'll get 2% a day. So that's already incredible, Joe. But where things get even better is when you invite your friends.
1: Oh, boy. So more discounts and interest then, then? (laughs)
3: <laughs> You're catching on to how this works, Joe. Exploit, invite your friends, and the more they spend with the pyramid, the ziggurat, Joe, the more you get rewarded in zigs.
1: Yikes, yeah, there's a lot of things to do. <laughs> Incredible.
3: But wait, Joe, there's even more. If they invite people, then you get a portion of their zigs too. It just keeps building and building. The more your friends that you bring into this amazing structure, the better. Just close your eyes, Joe. Think about it for a second. A huge ziggurat reaching to the heavens, full of all that sweet crypto money. And perched near the top, above all your family and friends who you've taken money from, is you. So where does
1: the, uh, the blockchain uh, fit into this, Dan?
3: Blockchain, smock chain, Joe. It's in there somewhere, I'm sure, but there's money to be made. Do
1: they have a product that does anything other than exchange new money for their tokens?
3: Doesn't matter, don't give a damn, Joe. Do you want to be at the bottom of the pyramid? Ziggurat, Joe? I don't think so. If your listeners want in, they can go to bitconnect.com. I, I mean, ziggurat.money slash Dan Dan the ICO man. I'm out, Joe. Gotta go to an SEC hearing. See ya!
1: You were listening to Vin Armani's latest podcast and you showed me an amazing clip from it. And you, if you're listening, you've got to listen to this. Like, here's a clip for you now.
4: One of the responses to my uh, tax slavery tweet was people saying, It's not stealing. It's a contribution that you make to education, uh, t- protection, and, of course, the roads. <laughs> Who'll build the roads? <laughs> The first question is, are you then saying that without the institutionalized theft, without institutionalized armed robbery, without the (laughs) institutionalized idea and statement that give me your money or men with guns will come kidnap you and put you in a cage? Without doing that, education... Educating a child is impossible. It's impossible to educate a child if there is not a threat of being kidnapped and put in a cage placed on someone else. It is impossible. (laughs) All medical care becomes impossible unless the institution of armed robbery is there. No one has... Ever built a road? No road could possibly be built. It is technically impossible (laughs) to build a road if first someone has not been robbed at the point of a gun. (laughs) That's great. Like, no, literally, like Uh you can't mix the asphalt, the asphalt itself will not set. You can pour it down, but it won't set. They're like, why is this asphalt not setting? Why is it not drying? What is happening? It's like fucking goo. Oh, no one's been robbed yet. (laughs) Fuck it. See that guy go rob him. As soon as they're like, give me your money. Asphalt, it's dry. It's dry. dry. Road's done. (laughs) Absolute prerequisite. Uh
2: Mate, like I was listening to this in the car while I was driving. Um, And I I called you straight afterwards just because I've never, ever heard it put this well. Like when you're talking to your friends and you're like, you want to be a little bit edgy, you know, everyone's just, the conversation's too nice and you're like, you just kind of slot it in there. Like there's a little bit of a lull and you're like,
4: by the way, taxation is theft. When you take money from one group to give it to them, to another, when you when you transfer the wealth, now taxation could be accomplished with user fees and you know highway fees and gasoline taxes and import taxes, but the income tax is based on the assumption that the government owns you, owns all your income, and provides the conditions on which they allow you to keep a certain percentage.
1: This is the FOMO show.
2: Uh, yeah, let's try giving Jordan a call. Yeah, mate, we haven't. We last time we left Jordan in a pretty, pretty bad position. Well, he left us. He yeah, hung up. Yeah. There were literally bullets flying. But let's give him a call. Let's give him a call. Uh, hello. Oh, hey, hey, Jordan. How you, how you doing? Uh, uh, hello, Jordan. Hey, how you doing? Are you okay? Oh,
1: I'm joking. You're to my voicemail. Uh, please leave a message after the dawn. Uh, if you've got any business opportunities, please uh, send an email to uh, Jordan is the coolest at hotmail.com.
2: Call us, Jordan. I'm a little bit worried about Jordan.
1: Mate, to be honest with you, it's one less paycheck to worry about. True. Hey, so in this week's Crypto of the Week... We're talking about Basic Attention Token. Now, it's what it seems like. It's sort of a token for advertising, and it's built onto a a browser called Brave. Tell us a bit more about that, Matt.
2: Yeah, so first of all, the, the basic premise of Basic Attention Token is that currently ads get served to you. When you browse the internet, you either see ads, or if you've got an ad blocker, you don't see ads, but the website is paid a small amount from Google to show you ads basic attention token wants to change that and it's through their browser brave which you mentioned now the brave browser i've i've been playing with it for a number of months now ever since i first invested in basic attention token i kind of decided to put my money where my mouth was and downloaded brave and it's pretty good mate like by default it blocks ads it blocks third-party cookies and trackers and it's based on chrome but it seems to take a lot of the chrome googly parts out of it and turn them off by default the thing about ads is they can be good if they're relevant and unobtrusive and sometimes you can actually find relevant information on ads mm. and I find this is more true with like Facebook or if you use Instagram or something Instagram or something like that because generally they're serving you ads that Facebook is associating with your interest and it's scary once you start mm. like logging into the f- the other side of Facebook the ads manager and mm. you see just how specifically you can target people
1: if you're on Facebook you are the product mm.
2: Enter Basic Attention Token. So Basic Attention Token runs in Brave and it learns what you do. So it does learn how you browse, but the key is that data never leaves your device in a form by which you can recognize what you actually do. So any data that goes to the Basic Attention blockchain, which is on Ethereum, Mm. gets hashed. So the idea is that your data will go to the blockchain, but it'll be anonymized. And most of the money from the advertisers is essentially going to the via smart contracts to the website owner and then the person viewing the ads as well
1: and that's awesome it's so good because people have never been rewarded to see adverts before yep and
2: yeah they're really wanting to make an effort to make sure that this stuff gets anonymized but you can still Mm. essentially target Mm. through that anonymity
1: it's a fascinating idea actually i Mm. mean what i wonder about is how this brave browser manages to take your browsing history and work out your interests yeah um and send that across like how it works out those interests are they is there a pre-made list of interests on your computer that brave is suddenly checking off as you Mm. browse the web Mm. i'm curious about how that works because as an advertiser i want precise targeting yeah um, but what is good is that the basic attention token is looking to have viewability. Yeah. So one thing advertisers are doing more and more is paying more money for ads to be at the top of a page or in a very prominent position. That's, yeah. that's a viewability metric and that's been a big issue more recently because a lot of advertisers pay for ads on pages that you've loaded, but you've never even seen the ad because it's right at the bottom. Yeah. And someone's paid for that. Yeah, so the viewability mm. answer with BAT is really interesting
2: it's quite exciting what they're talking about because what they're saying is that if this really takes off you will start building your websites to accommodate mm. these ads and this viewability but it won't be the type of ad that makes you annoyed it'll be if if it's doing its job it will be something that is extremely relevant to you mm. and If the site's set up correctly, it won't even be... It'll it'll be viewable, but it won't be disruptive to your experience. It'll kind of just be like a value add. Yeah, and so the other thing you'll be able to do too is if you want to turn it off, there's two options. You can just turn the ad blocker on Mm -hmm. and block all the ads. Mm -hmm. Or you can say, instead of showing me the ads, I'm just going to send some money to the... Some my basic attention token to the person that wanted to show me the ad, Mm -hmm. and they'll get rewarded with the token instead of getting rewarded Mm -hmm. with you know me seeing their products
1: interesting things with adverts i won't dwell on this point for too long but when the reason facebook asks you for your name uh and age uh when's your birthday google ask you the same thing when you sign up are you a male are you a female um that's because knowing your gender saves the, saves advertisers 50 percent of their money if you're gillette advertising razor blades
2: you're my mind right now keep going
1: the reason they're asking your name uh, sorry your gender is because gillette will save 50 percent of their ad budget by not wasting it on you know showing women razor blade adverts now facebook are taking all your demographics they're taking your age they're taking your interests and those combined are so valuable to advertisers but the problem is with brave if they haven't got your demographics down yeah then that's not as valuable for advertisers I'm wondering, maybe Brave, was, um, Brave could work out your age through looking at browsing history. That's yep. what Google do if you don't tell them your age. Yep. They work out how old you are by looking at what are you browsing. Yep. So if you're on Teen Vogue every other day, they're going to drop that average. If you're looking at Pensioners Weekly, they'll raise that even more. But hopefully, they'll have opt-in demographics What? Well, potentially they'd have opt-in demographics where you can voluntarily tell them that and maybe you'd actually get more BAT yep. for Giving your data away. Because you should be able to sell your data, and that's what's great, is they're letting you sell your personal information, but without giving away your personal information. anonymized
2: yeah. Bloody good idea. So look, it's a really good idea. They're, they're making steps towards it. I think they've just implemented basic attention token on the actual browser, or mm-hmm. they're about to get there. Personally, I haven't turned it on. I'd plan to do like a week on BAT just to see how it went, but here we are, and I haven't done it. I'll check in once I have done it, because I do use Brave a lot it's our crypto of the week because we think it's a really good project it's got a good team behind it they've got a working product cool go check out BAT. we'll put the link in the show notes
1: I sent $400 from one bitcoin wallet to another bitcoin wallet I had $400 I sent and what happens An hour and a half later, no, more than that, almost two hours later, I refresh the second wallet and finally the Bitcoin gets there. Two hours, right? Mm. And then not only that, but the amount that I have received is not $400, it's $380. Three hundred and eighty dollars I want my money back, but I can't get it because that's just how life works and I should accept my fate and buy Bitcoin and Ethereum because that's the best thing that's ever happened to this world. It sickens me.
2: Can we just, like, we need to stop for a second and and really, like, just put this in a perspective, though. Because Mm. if, like, this whole system was brought about to make it so that you can just transact on the internet instantly, cheaply, and, you know, on a a ledger. And you can say, that's my transaction right there. Okay, that was Satoshi's vision. Digital cash. Mm. When it costs you more to do that than it costs you to send fiat, on a 50-year-old mm. system from Australia to the UK using Swift, and it's probably just as quick to send it over there, to be honest.
1: Even if you put it on a first-class flight, it would be faster.
2: I mean, at what, at what stage do you have to say this blockchain is it, it's, it's dead? Hold it's, on, it's hold on, hold on,
1: hold like, Look, this is the future of money, and you just cannot accept that maybe it should just take two hours for money to get from you to me.
2: So what you're saying is i just need to shut up and you just need
1: to pipe down and know your place which is buying bitcoin yeah
2: Yeah, that's it but what if there's these other blockchains over there that That, cost me ridiculous
1: that is just crazy talk this week's main meat meat and potatoes is game coins Mm. if you've been awake for the last 15 years you might have seen almost everyone and their mother is playing computer games now. Mm.
2: Game coins essentially came about because of a few problems. So, for any of you that have played games, you know that there are, there's all sorts of types of games out there and a lot of them are on platforms now. So, you've got Steam, you've got Origin, you've got Xbox, you've got PlayStation, whatever. And all of these games seem to have these microtransactions now. Mm. So, you can buy cosmetic items, some games are so-called pay to win because you actually have to like buy the the heroes. There are problems with this though. So, (laughs) There's a lot of microtransactions, and if you are even somehow privacy-focused, you don't really want to enter your credit card details in for 10 to $0.15 microtransactions.
1: It's just not worth it.
2: It's just not worth it, because you'll normally get charged some fees on top of that as well, and it's just, you know, it's slow, but there's also a lot of fraud. It's very high in the gaming sector, because a lot of these items get sold on third-party marketplaces, Mm. so... You essentially tie your Steam account. Steam's the one I know because it's it's you know most of the games I play are on PC. You can tie your Steam account into these marketplaces, and then you can sell your items which you earn in these games, or you can the items that you unlock from these little crates, which you can pay money to unlock for these digital items, and you can sell them. And mate, some of them go for like. Three four hundred dollars for an item, you know, for a for a skin for a gun in mm, Counter Strike mm. can cost you like three to four hundred dollars, and the game's ten dollars. You know, like it's just it's wild. Um, <laughs> according to Engine, who we'll cover shortly, for every legitimate item purchase, seven point five items are lost to fraud. So, mate, there's a lot of fraud going on.
1: So, Game Coins are going to bring a lot of benefits for a lot of different areas. So, one side is the public blockchain can act for virtual items, that can actually prove how scarce your, you know, diamond sword from this game. You could actually put that diamond sword, the game developers could build it in, so that diamond sword, as soon as it's created in the game, is on a public blockchain and that owner has access, owns it. They could then trade it with someone else and that they can prove how many or how few of an item there are. That's going to be really big. Second area is funding communities. And the next one is players, uh, funding communities, funding games companies, mm. a lot of different funding mechanisms. And then players. The players could actually make money from this. Mm. And, you know, they could use that to buy stuff. Anyway, let's jump into some of the options. Right. One sort of game currency that's really... Like, it's got a 328 mil market cap. It's called EngineCoin. Um, and it's basically a customizable cryptocurrency and virtual goods platform for gaming. So you could create and manage virtual goods on a ledger, according to their website. You could mint unique in-game items, currencies, and tokens using Engine Coin as a parent currency. So they want to have this big ecosystem. But what's really interesting that's practical right now is a community builder right using engine you could use their website builder and you could build a website with a forum where engine is the currency for that so maybe people who join take part and join your server yep. get paid engine for playing because you know people right. can find that or you could donate engine to keep a server going they could have you know you could have leaderboards for you think there's a whole bunch of stuff that could be built into creating communities funding the people who manage the communities, funding those servers. Mm. And the developers and community managers would, you know, they could create content and they could have a decentralized payment gateway. They could automate the rewards for playing or joining. They could create tokens. They could set up their own virtual goods stores.
2: That is huge, man. Like (laughs) that is absolutely huge because I, uh, this is this is my background. Like oh. for, in another life, I ran a gaming clan for like four years. We had. Over, were you
1: thirteen at the time?
2: Yeah, I was pretty young. We had a lot of members. Like we were a global gaming clan. This is this is such a. It's it's so huge to actually have a method that will make it easy for these guys to make years. these worlds, make these mods, yeah, uh, make these communities. Like, man, if I had have had access to what they've got here right now, all this built in software, mm-hmm. when I was like thirteen or fourteen. I wouldn't have been mucking around on this forum that had one thread, and everyone had to like comment on each person's comment oh. because, or like trying to figure out PHPBB, which was like the thing that came after it. I would have just been able to log in the engine coin, make my thing. People could contribute. Ugh. so
1: you can just see you go on the engine site, and you just click. I need a website for create a website, fan site, guild, clan, non gaming, esports team, whatever. Click on it. I want a website in store for my Minecraft server. Give it a name, give it a URL, com. click start. And you're off and going. So it's actually looking to be practical right now. Mm. And mm. that's big. So Engine is just looking to become like this. You can see it's a massive vision. Yeah. Um, and we've actually got a clip from one of our listeners who um, has just got a few things to say about that. Here you go.
0: Hi guys, I'm Carson. So today I'm going to talk about game coins, specifically engine coin. So I have a gaming background. I gave up many years of my life to World of Warcraft. They have an auction house in which you can buy and sell items. And and a lot of the gamers use the auction house frequently. Um, I know quite a few times I manipulate the market by purposely selling items at a lower price. Uh, I'd often get people whisper me, um, sending hate messages um, because I'd cause a crash and I'd be making all the money, uh, which is fantastic. There's millions of gamers across the world, whether it be people playing Skyrim, uh, Candy Crush on the phone, kids playing piano tiles, all sorts of things. Within these games, there's additional goods that you can normally purchase, whether it be uh, a sword, some sort of costume, extra lives, and all of these transactions occur with credit cards and debit cards. Let's say if someone's purchased something inside the game. Now, the developer would probably have to increase the price of the item so that he can cover the transaction cost. So that's why prices in games are much higher than uh, what you'd actually expect considering what you're getting in return. Another drawback that's kind of related to more so the game itself, rather than credit and debit cards, is once you've purchased an item inside the game, it's kind of stuck in the, that, that game. Um, You buy a sword and once you've kind of outgrown that sword, you've paid for it, you've used it, and now it's just sitting in there, you can't do anything about it. And that kind of, that's a massive problem as well, because so even though that you've bought it, you're not the true owner of that product because the developer can take it back anytime he wants. He can cancel the, well, sorry, delete the game and you've paid for something and now you've lost it. So that's where game coins come into play. So imagine being able to to transact in something as secure as cryptocurrency. Just to let you know, I am an investor in Engine Coin. They've got 19 million users already, I think, two or three or million of them are active as well. So you can imagine that's a massive fan base. One of the main games they have is Minecraft. And so they've taken the whole transaction thing to another level. So you can now buy and sell items inside uh, the games. So you can buy it as you normally would when it, um, and you can also sell items as well. And you can then change that engine coin back into a uh, real world money again developers they're able to kind of i suppose white label the coins themselves um to call it whatever they want on their side so let's say if it's some sort of fantasy coin it could be you know buy 500 gold or something but the tech behind it will be engine coin so they've got a minecraft sdk coming out um They've got one for the Arc platform and a few other gaming engines and stuff. Once implemented, and um, you can then send coins across to other games to purchase whatever you need to purchase in that game. So any kind of leftover money that you weren't planning to use, you can now you know move that across, and it just it goes back to the point of like true ownership. Now you own that, you own those coins, you own that item, rather than you buying it, and it's kind of stuck inside the game itself and lastly um earning coins in games so it incentivizes the game a lot more uh, to play the game so that they'll be able to make money off the engine coins as well you'd own the items you could have a rare item that you could sell at a higher price people could transact in things everyone will have a chance to kind of get, obtain coins if they meet you know those Conditions, you know, completing a dungeon, um, beating a boss, you know, doing something in re- record time or something like that. It's not like um, having to buy your way to a high level. Like everyone will have an equal chance, depending on the developers, of course. So I think the future with gaming will definitely be these gaming coins. Game coins and engine have made a fantastic start with this, and I'm hoping that more will come about or um more people will start to implement them into their games so that everyone can transact inside it because it benefits you know both sides to developers as well as the gamers um so yeah definitely good things to come in the future with the whole gaming side of things and i'm um, looking very forward to it
1: yeah so there's so much potential with this I mean, as you can hear, there's so much potential with it. You know, players can you know, trade items. They would be able to use engine coin. They'd be able to convert that for other currencies. So it's not actually like an in-game currency that's stuck in a game. Yeah. It could be
2: bigger than that. It's across everything. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And what it needs is you know develop like it doesn't need developers to implement it into their games. It just needs communities to run off it. And yeah. if developers build that into their games, that's going to be amazing.
2: Yeah. Because let's think. Like if you're if you're a developer and you're building your first game and you want a way for people to to add value to that, and you want a way to have a have a currency within that game, and it, and it's not only is it present in your game, but it can all be distilled into like really informative information on the website itself. Mm. So another game currency is game credits. Uh, it's it's around about three hundred twenty-seven million market cap at the time of recording. And you can see it at gamecredits.com. And it, what it, said it wants to be is a universal currency for the gaming world, but more for the in-game payments themselves. Mm.
1: Now, I found a bit of a struggle trying to work out what they did at first because, you know, as a marketer, I like just making it real simple. What do you do? Mm. First page. That would be nice. But it took a little while to get through that, but they're they're looking to build some kind of ecosystem. Right. So... They're gonna have like a commu- like a, uh, a sort of a gaming community. They've got they've got a mobile game store. They're gonna have a website where if you want to just play against someone in a game of your choice, you want to beat someone and get money for it. Yeah, that's how they want to sort of. That's one of the uses for this game. Um, this game coin. So it could be game credits. Sorry, um, could be used for buying games uh, from their game store, buying things within games. Mm. It could be for, um, if I wanted to challenge you to a game of FIFA, um, we could set up via one of the platforms that they want to have. So we could set up either a virtual tournament or just a virtual thing and all the winners get paid. But the whole thing works in there. So setting up tournaments, e-sports competitions on the blockchain. And
2: that takes so much administrative work out of all that stuff. Because I mean, you look at the even the big even the small tournaments at the moment, they have so much staff that they need, and most of them are volunteers, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. they're kind of just there because they've grown up in it and they really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But they'd much prefer to be playing themselves, yeah. or you know, like out there talking to the players, and you know. And so this is just going to take a lot of a load off mm-hmm. off those guys, mm-hmm. and. It'll just work. That's the thing. At
1: the same time, they've got a partnership with Unity, and according to Unity's press release, Game Credits mobile game store will be implemented with Unity's game development ecosystem. So developers would be able to get paid minutes after you've bought mm. the game, mm. um, uh, and they'd be, be able to easily like publish their games into G Play. So I'm sure they'll hold that in some ecosystem, but. Yep. Um unlike a lot of other places if you're a game developer through this you're going to get a 90% share of the revenue wow. whereas right now the on average you're getting about 70%. Yeah. So if you're a developer that's going to incentivize you because look instead of making $7 every time someone buys your game you mm. make $9 mm. over 100 purchases you're making money.
2: And mate isn't this the this is a great thing we're seeing with this automation stuff? You know, as people develop these pro- these platforms out, they govern it more by smart contracts. They just build code to be built once, and then it essentially runs itself. You're going to see so much more of this. You're going to see these the smart contracts and the platforms will essentially just become the new middlemen, but mm. they will be so much more efficient mm. at being middlemen, and they'll be so much more open source, so mm. people can contribute mm-hmm. stuff. That everyone's really going to end up with more money. You know, except the middlemen, <laughs> mm, mm, which means mm. that the people that are adding the actual value um, are going to see see more, um, it, but you know, the people that are working on the platform, it's also going to be coded in that they're going to see more as well, and you're going to mm, have mm. less money going to all these other expenses mm. that you have to in our internet ecosystem at the moment. But the blockchain just creates so much more possibilities for letting this stuff run itself mm, yeah absolutely so yeah.
1: i mean as you will see that there are a bunch of different competing ones here but you know it's so t- you know hard to say which is going to win you know game coin or engine coin yeah they can both coexist there's yeah, nothing wrong definitely. with that as well but yeah and there's another thing that um game credits have uh, come up with is uh mobile go so that's one specifically for the tournament so they say it's a smart token that can facilitate peer-to-peer match play and decentralised tournaments. Mm. So that was the thing I mentioned earlier. But yeah, they're very, from the same people, Mobile go and Game Credits. And together, they're worth half a billion. Wow. market cap, at least.
2: So still relatively small in the grand scheme of things. Mm. Yeah.
1: So the next two are virtual assets. Right. So you know, people are selling and trading items. Even if you mm. play those free online games like RuneScape, yep. things have value. Yep two big marketplaces the two main marketplaces for uh, the two largest virtual items marketplaces Ooh. already have two virtual asset coins wow wax is the um is is one worth 538 i say worth the market caps 538 million um as a recording and it was developed by the founders of op skins which is one of the biggest csgo slash um other sort of skins and stores for trading things yeah the other's called D Market and it's run by the second largest um, (laughs) virtual items marketplace skins.cash yeah so the founders of these two places um, these two sites see something going on here
2: yeah yeah and I actually saw on D Market because I jumped in on that ICO when it came out Mm. the reason I jumped in on it is because there are a few pros involved in it a few CS Go pros and a a few other some some people that have on, like I think there was a guy from Narvi and a couple other from you know a couple of other people from those teams and they'd put their name to it and they were consulting on it as well mm. um, and so it, it was in the world of eSports it was quite high profile and they're I think a little bit more targeted towards the eSport uh, games mm. but yeah like they it, essentially if you earn a skin in CSGO, you can then, Plug that into D-Market and it becomes like tokenized. Mm. There's a token attached to it, and you can trade your skin based on that token. It's mm. all there on the blockchain. You can see you've purchased it. Again, cutting down on that fraud mm. because everything's out in the open.
1: And b- both of these marketplaces both use, you know, plug into Steam's API. Mm. And all it would take was either Steam to integrate or Steam to compete mm. and shut out these two. So there are risks to all of these yep. game coins. Um, it, lots of factors. But, yeah, they it's really interesting to see the two biggest players there both competing on that. And that's really yep. exciting.
2: Yeah. Because it's going to
1: make them both better. That's right. Which is that's great.
2: Right. That's what we want. Yeah. Free market, competition. Oh, the blockchain is such a good place. Ah. England nice <laughs> lovely lovely. are we going to go through Nitro and I'm going to cover this really quickly cool.
1: there's one which is looking to um, change the games funding model
4: mm.
1: I personally am revolted at this idea it's called Nitro Nitro.live You basically, um, Nitro will, um, they've got a lot of big names in there from some of the directors of iCandy, which is a big mobile, iCandy Interactive, big mobile games company. They've got 325 million odd smartphone gamers in their portfolio of games. But Nitro will basically pick a bunch of game titles um, that these game developers want to build. The community can then vote on what they want developed based on Nitro's hand pick of which ones should be developed. Um, the funding gets to the game companies. Gamers can participate, quote unquote, in the development. Um, game companies can then use the token in games. Advertisers could market the life out of the token holders by the way that they built this thing, and financiers get to see which game, what gamers are interested in investing in. So it's. Seems horrific from my point of view because as soon as I saw advertising in there, I ran a mile. (laughs) But it's worth looking at because you know I prove me wrong. They had a big a forty million dollar odd ICO, and they got big names, corporate wise, behind it. Right, and then another total. So, so sorry so that's yeah, yeah, that's yeah, essentially
2: yeah. a platform to feed advertising to gamers is that oh,
1: it's actually it's more looking to disrupt the fundraising model of games right getting funding to game companies i think it's it's sort of relying on just people in that just in that nitro community yeah and that seems like it's restricting it as opposed to saying what does everyone in the world want built let's get some opinions if you want opinions get opinions but
2: it's just it's centralization again isn't it really like it, it is us it's some old hats trying to repeat the same model that's been done for the last 70 or 80 years and because
1: this nitro company want to pick the game titles that are being developed so you don't even get to say oh there's this developer over here has a cool yeah. idea no, 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 no you're just picking choosing based off it's like it's like presidential candidates yeah. somebody else picked them you just are, oh you get a choice look at your freedom you see what i mean like, yeah
2: so Not if you're sure. if you're out there and you're developing an open source version of this, please get in touch with us. We'd love to have you on because <laughs> that is who we need to be holding up. Like
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, like this is you can see why I was hesitant on this. Yeah. And then some massive red flag is one called XP Tokens. Really badly thought out idea. They basically haven't really got a plan, but it's they want people to buy games with XP, which is the name of this token. Earn XP by going to school or university or contributing to the community earn for participating in eSports and earn by being a model citizen it sounds about as horrific and <laughs> disgusting as it It couldn't get worse than Nitra I thought but I found XP tokens and I take that back uh, do you see what I mean uh, we, look, we're have look, to look like, at their website we're, we're going to have at to have a couple
2: of beers and just like look through this website This white paper
1: <laughs> mate, have a look at this webpage
2: if, um, if anyone wants to look through this website with this...
1: This is literally all they've got. Look at their Are about page, kidding? look, about XP. It's a dawning day of a, well, a new... It's a dawning of a new day for finance. No. The blockchain is not like a bank record that can be destroyed by a computer...
2: No. Fa- Do you see what I mean? This is someone's school project.
1: I'm sorry, but that is total. That is someone's. Total, that
2: is someone's school project.
1: I think yeah. we have a word in French called
2: bollocks, which <laughs> describes that.
1: There's another one that we haven't managed. To, I haven't managed to look into enough. It's called Tron.
2: Yeah, it had a huge pump, like massive. I haven't looked into it enough either. I've just heard people compare it to Ripple, and right. so instantly my like my hackles hackles went up, and my hackles yeah. went up, and I got all guarded, and I was right. like. Frothing at the mouth. That same feeling like, you ripple? get when
1: someone asks you to pay tax. You get suspicious. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so if anyone does know more about Try, oh, is that the
1: website, mate? It's got like it's in another language. You got to switch it to English. That's I'm such a actually,
2: marketing ploy, man, mate. I guarantee you that's a marketing ploy. It's They've said what's going to make our, more people think our coin is like really worth it. Let's have the site show up in Chinese first.
1: But I bet you the bloke that build it, built it lives in, like, Barcelona.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Bit Crystals.
1: And then you've got even some games are actually... Um, some some games are actually producing their own game-specific currency. There's one called like Bit Crystals. It's got, like, a 24-mil market cap just for this, like, Spells of Genesis game. It's a blockchain-based mobile game. And, like, we might see this... It's like a trading card game and an arcade game. I don't know anything about it. But they've created a currency just for that game.
2: And twenty four million dollars. Well that's what the internet said. For for a mobile games currency twenty
1: four million dollars. Twenty eight
2: million. But look at that pump, mate.
1: Look at that yeah. pump. That's just like kutum.
2: Look if if you want to, if you want to get a reminder of how irrational this market is and how ridiculous it is go look up bit crystals and its market cap
0: <laughs> it's literally
2: a little mobile game and it's and the coin that's tied to it has a 28 million dollar market cap
1: all right so clearly we've got to the part of the podcast where if you've lasted this long well well bloody done to you <laughs> you can tell we've sort of run a little bit amok since mm. starting. It's We've little, had some fun with this. A episode, little less though.
2: serious. Yeah. But um yeah, we'll, we'll send us your feedback. Yeah, or don't. Or don't. Just don't. Yeah. Look, like your mother said, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Right. Yeah. Yes. Good words of advice for our listeners. We should take it on advice mate because we say some Really bad stuff about some some things on on this show. If you show.
1: know someone who might enjoy this, do do feel free to share them a link.
2: Why not? What have you got to lose? Yeah. Respect from your friends. They might not like you. <laughs> if if they don't <laughs> like it. That's fair play. That they fair may play. not like you. Hmm. You can find us at FOMO.show. That's a website that's starting to take shape. Maybe it's more than starting to tape shape. Oh, it's strict. we've pretty we're pretty much there. The like, fonts
1: on that website are on point. We've it's even almost. got like a
2: couple of posts that aren't just for the podcast. Yeah. There's like some tools. Yep.
1: there Got
2: Got a bit buy Bitcoin page.
1: Yeah. We're going to have a sell Bitcoin page for the yep. Australians who yep. can't sell it on
2: Coinbase. You can jump on our Slack at <laughs> FOMO.show slash Slack.
1: <laughs> uh, you can follow us on Twitter and post dank memes to the underscore
2: FOMO underscore show. You can also find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash the FOMO show.
1: And look forward to some ads from Mark Zuckerberg popping through
2: your feed.
1: <laughs> Um, and yeah, we've got a YouTube channel as well.
2: Um, at FOMO.show/slash YouTube. We also have Steam It. So if you are on Steam It, if you listen to the De- Decentralize Your Life episode or you're already on Steam It, check us out at Steam It. We are putting the episode up there and we might try and put more up there if if, if the people want it. If you want to see us more on Steam It, please let us know. We really enjoy what we do. Like we actually really enjoy what we do. We're we, a great fun in this podcast. I don't know if Is it comes look- through, but yeah, we're smiling literally most of the time <laughs> we're back in this podcast, and we really enjoy it. If you if you do want to chat with us or reach out to us or if you want to be more involved, you've got something you'd like to hear us talk about. Please feel free to send us a message or jump on our Slack. We honestly love hearing from you guys. Um, we love our community. Yeah, it's you great. You are literally like, the reason why we do what we it do. keeps
1: us going. It's great, isn't it? So, yeah. So, um, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute privilege having you here.
2: I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. And as always, remember... No fun
1: If you wanna support the show, close your Facebook account. <laughs> your face. <laughs> it's true, your though. face. It's true Your face! It's true. I would get so like, indignant. Forget, you're like you're like <laughs> Forget 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 giving us money. If you wanna make if you wanna bring joy
2: to my heart If you could see Joe's face right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's He's completely serious. <laughs> it's true though. <laughs> he has like... the most indignant look on his face. <laughs> if you've already closed your Facebook account, you can click quit, quit Google. Quit, yeah. That's the next thing. Quit
1: the internet. Switch Just off.
2: Blockchain only.
1: Move off the grid. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: I wonder if you could tokenize cheese. Like what if you had someone who made like fine cheese? It's in a warehouse somewhere and you just, you own the token for that cheese and it hits five years and you can, you know, you've got like a five year cheese token. There.
1: Convertible cheese tokens. Mm. That t- sounds tasty.
4: <laughs> How
1: do you write this stuff, man? That's too good.
4: Dude, I
2: literally just looked up the BitConnect web page. <laughs> <laughs> I just went through it. You're a like, joke, you know. You're a oh, joke. I was just My... like, this is ridiculous.
1: Oh, but you don't understand. This is different to the dot-com bubble. It's totally different. First of all, it's 2017. Second of all... we're not using dot com anymore it's dot cash dot
0: blockchain
2: (laughs) dot (laughs) blockchain this time it's different (laughs) (laughs) that should be the slogan the little sub cryptocurrency (laughs) this This time time it's different different. (laughs) (laughs) we should make we should make (laughs) one but if you do like our show please subscribe in your podcast app of choice hit that subscribe button hit it hit it just just touch it a little bit, just, just... Checked everything. <gasps>
1: Mate, I'm sticking to my trousers. Like, I'm actually <sighs> sticking to my trousers. Right.